welcome you this, this evening. At this time, I invite you to open up your Bible, if you brought your Bible, um, or if you brought your phone, you have your pocket Bible, and open up in either the, your browser to Bible Gateway, or you can open up in your app store to the YouVersion Bible app. We are going to be in the second chapter of Luke's Gospel, reading out of the New Living Translation. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral homes to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Hi, sweet girl. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. I'm going to grab my daughter, and she's going to help me with the reading. Hi, sweet girl. Do you want to help me with the reading? Okay. She's going to help me with the reading. You're going to hold it right here. Okay. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in snugs of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I love you, sweet girl. That night, there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is well pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, and the angel had said to them about this child. All who gathered and heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God, for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I do welcome you to Faith Community Church. It's awesome being a different age, being a grandfather as opposed to a father. <laughs> People always ask me, what was it like to raise my children? It's pretty much similar to raising the grandchildren. So welcome to worship, and it's wonderful to have all of our children with us today. If you came prepared to make a donation to God or give a gift to God through Faith Community Church, you can use our two offering boxes at the back of the sanctuary, one at the side, or you can always go online to faithcommunityma.com, and it's there. You can use the Donate Now button. 
Also, we have envelopes that we've been handing out. Those envelopes are for the discretionary account. Our Christmas offering this year, we're asking for 100% of it to go into a fund that all of that money goes to help families of our church. So if you'd like to make a donation that absolutely everything goes to help families of our church, that is by using that envelope, and again, you can put them in our offering boxes. I invite you to bow your heads and hearts together with me in prayer. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your goodness. We thank you for all that you do in our world and in our lives. We thank you for the joy of Christmas, for the opportunity to be together and to know that you are God, that you visited this world and gave to us the most precious of all gift, the gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. We pray this day not only for those of us who are gathered here, but for our family, for our friends. May all of us know and experience the joy of this season in knowing your love for each of us. And even as Jesus came into this world as a baby, he also is the one who came in as our Savior and who taught his disciples and each of us how to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We took time and we heard the Christmas story. And Megan, our children's ministry director, talked about Christmas ornaments and Christmas trees. One of the things that we all love about Christmas trees is they are a great way to tell our story. Amen? They tell our faith story and they tell our personal story. Now, some of us who are extroverts have an easier time telling stories than others. Amen? I'm going to try that again. Some of us who are extroverts have a little easier time telling our stories than others. Amen? Amen. That is true. My son Todd, one day, I was talking to him. He's very introverted, and we're talking about just kind of going out and having conversations with people. And he said to me, you know, Dad, it's always easier for you. And I go, Todd, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you're just going up and talk to people. And he said, Dad, we drive down the road, and you stop the car, and you get out, and you see somebody with a dog, and you go over, and you talk to them about their dog, and you find their whole life story. I said, Jan, what's wrong with that? That's what you're supposed to do when you drive down the road and you see somebody with a dog. And he said, those of us who are introverts, we're kind of like not that way. That's not how we live our lives. So I get it. We all have different ways in which we express ourselves and tell our stories and share things that are important to us. But Christmas trees are a way in which we express things that we love, things that are important to us, and values that we have. And when we as families do it right, we don't only have the Christmas tree there, but we make sure that it doesn't just tell the story of ourselves and our family, but it tells the story, the most important story, the story of our Savior who came into this world, the birth of Jesus. When we put together our Christmas trees, many of us make sure that we tell the story of every single ornament on it. I mean, in our house, we tell the story of every single ornament on it. You wouldn't want to come to our house when we're decorating the tree because literally my wife and I make sure that every single ornament has a story and we tell what it is. 
And so many of them are representative of the gospel message, the message of Christ coming into this world. In the text that we read from Luke's gospel, the first thing that we hear about the story of the birth of Jesus is what I like to call the word expecting. That's an important part of our faith. Luke puts it this way. It says that Joseph took Mary to whom he was gauged, who was now expecting a child. Christmas is about expecting. The story of Jesus' birth is about expecting. It's about the promise that God had told for thousands of years that a child was going to be born, a Savior was going to come, and people looked forward to that and knew that it was going to happen. Same thing is true in our lives today. If we take that gospel message and don't just leave it as something that happened 2,000 years ago, but apply it to our lives today the way that we should, you and I should always be expecting, looking forward to what God is doing, knowing that the one that we trust doesn't only come to this world 2,000 years ago, but when we face things today, he's going to make them better. He's going to get us through tough situations. He's going to not only be the one that was promised who came, but when we face our own struggles, we can expect that God will show up and God will help us and God will guide us and God will get us through. Expectations is an essential part of the whole Christmas experience. It's right there in the gospel message and it's certainly how we experience it in our homes. When you have little kids, you can't help but have kids who are expecting and waiting for Christmas to come and wondering what's going to happen. Theologically, we have a term for this. We call it the already not yet. The other day, Pastor David and I were having a conversation about which theologian coined that term. It's the idea that God is already here. God's kingdom is already in our midst. We can feel it. We can see it. We can touch it. But it's not quite here fully. And there's times in our life when we are looking forward to the fulfillment of God's kingdom because there's some things that are so left unfinished. And so we always live in that tension. And that's what happened to those who are looking forward to the birth of Jesus. It's those of us who are now looking to the second coming of Christ, but it's also in every part of our lives. We're constantly knowing that God is doing and working and doing more, which got me to one of the Christmas tree ornaments that we have in our home. And yes, Regina always likes to tell the story of this ornament. You see, many years ago, Regina and I were not a married couple. We were dating, and now we were engaged. It was 1981, and the next May we were going to get married. And we were in a little church in Indiana where I was a, the youth pastor, and a family named the Turners invited us over for dinner one Sunday afternoon. And then they said to us, oh, we're going to decorate our Christmas tree, and you get to decorate it with us. Now, we didn't know that going into that afternoon, but we sat there and we helped them, and it was kind of fun and interesting, but also a little bit uncomfortable because, you know, this was their Christmas tree and we were just sort of this couple that was there, but we had a nice time. And then Mrs. Turner pulled out a tree and handed it to Regina and said, here is my gift to you. This represents your wedding that's coming up. This is your first Christmas tree ornament. Always remember God's faithfulness in your life and look forward not only to your marriage, but to all that God does in your life. 
We keep this ornament on our tree every year. I would say by far it is the ornament that we're the most careful with to make sure that nothing happens to it. It's delicate. We've had it for 40 years. This year we told the story to little Henry about the ornament that reminds us that we always look forward as Christians. Amen? Amen. We always look forward. God always has a bright future and promise for us. The second thing we hear out of the Christmas story is the most important one. It is about the Savior. In verse 11, we're told the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That's the pronouncement of the angels. But people say, I want to remember the reason for the season. I'll tell you the reason for the season. It's about a Savior who was born 2,000 years ago who continues to be our Savior today. It's a baby who was born into this world who gave his life for you and for me that we could have a relationship with God. It is the greatest gift that's ever been given. And all the stuff that we get ourselves consumed with and all the things that we get anxious about and all the things that turn us in all different directions never really matter. Because what we have is a Savior. The one that reminds us that God visited this planet. God loves you. If you were the only person in this world, not just in this sanctuary, not just in this town, in this world who had gone astray and everybody else lived a perfect life, this Savior, God's gift, loves you so much that he would have come just for you to give his life for you. That's amazing love. That's what Christmas is about. It's about remembering that the birth is the birth of a Savior. And so you can guarantee on our tree we have this wonderful ornament that has the nativity on it. Now it's interesting, this nativity came from Nadaras Cathedral, in Trondheim, Norway. It was about 11 years ago. Regina and I were visiting Norway with my oldest brother who has passed away from cancer. And we were all on a, a vacation and we were on a cruise ship and we got to see this most amazing cathedral. If you ever watched St. Olaf's Choir, they just did a thing a few years ago where they're the big um, choir out of Minnesota that they go different places and they have a Christmas special. One time they were at Nadaros Cathedral in Trondheim, Norway. Beautiful cathedral. Lovely place. But you know, Regina and I are also kind of typical Americans. So the day that we were there, they took us through the tour of the cathedral. We had time to be in Trondheim and now we only had a few minutes to do what Americans like to do and that's called shop. And so Regina and I turned to each other and said, quick, we got to get into that gift shop and we got to find something authentic that's Norwegian that we're going to have for the rest of our lives. And we went in and we're quickly looking around. The tour bus was getting ready to go and we found it. There it was, the perfect ornament. We paid way too much money for it. We got on the bus and we read on it and said, oh, made in China. <laughs> then we came back to Plymouth. They sell these at the paper store here in town for less money. But you know what that reminds us of? All of our humanness and all of our craziness and all of our silliness. But in the midst of it, there's still a Savior who loves us and gave his life for us. And that's the reason for the season, to be reminded that Jesus is our Savior. And that is the greatest gift that was ever given to us. 
The final thing that, that I think we need to hear out of the Christmas story is the word all. For God so loved the world. The world. Not just you, not just me. Everyone. And that's why when the shepherds came and they experienced the birth of the Savior, then we're told in verse 18, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. In other words, as soon as the shepherds learned that this child was born, they understood that this was the Savior. And now they told others, and the family grew. Because that's what we do as Christians. We grow the Christian family. We grow it by sharing our faith with others, by sharing our love with those we come in contact with. This is a natural result of life. Did you know that things are all supposed to grow? In the spring, you'll plant your garden and you'll put the seeds in the ground and beautiful plants will grow. You'll go and you look at your trees that are in your yard. You may not notice them. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years, you go, wow, that tree's grown. That's a natural result of what it means to be alive. And that's a natural result of what it means to be a Christian. To share our faith, to tell our story, to tell, just like the shepherds did, to tell others about Christ's coming. Sometimes I think growth is so natural that when I hear somebody who hasn't seen somebody else's child, they'll look at them and they'll say, oh, this is so shocking. Your child has grown so much in the last seven years. I can't believe how much they've changed. I always want to answer the same way. You'd be more shocked if they looked exactly the way they did seven years ago, and they're still a baby. You see, growth is natural. It's what God does in our lives when we go and we get excited about God's work in our life and the Savior who was born for you and for me, and we get the opportunity to share that story with others. And so on our Christmas tree, as we think about growth, we know it only have the growth we have as Christians, but it also happens in our family. And so we had parents' night out here at our church, and my little Henry and Ruby grandchildren painted their own Christmas tree ornaments. That's pretty easy to figure out which one's Ruby's, because Ruby always says, you know, Ruby red, Ruby red, red is my favorite color, you know, Ruby red. Now, if you don't know it because of that, it says here on the back, somebody wrote the word Ruby on it. And of course, Henry. Regina was quick to point out that he painted this all by himself. It's only a year old. I think he did a pretty good job. You see, that's what families do. Families grow. We expand. We have children. We have grandchildren. We have in-laws. We get bigger. We welcome each other. And we grow as a family. But that's what God's family does, amen? Someone new comes to church and we get to know them and we have the opportunity to share them stories about our congregation. Or we get to know someone who doesn't have faith and we get to explain to them the hope that lies within us because the Savior who saved our life. And so you see with Christmas, it's not just about telling any story, it's about telling the greatest story, about the story that reminds us that we are always expecting because God is always doing something new and remarkable and amazing. It's about a Savior who walks with us and forgives us and watches over our life and no matter what you and I have done wrong, continues to forgive us and extend grace. But it's also about expanding the family, realizing that as we share who we are in Christ, the love that God has put in our heart, we start seeing the Holy Spirit guide and direct and touch other people's lives. 
And that's what Christmas is. Not just on our Christmas trees, but hopefully it's a story we tell as we go forth into our world. The Bible says that as Christians, when we tell that story and we live before others, it's actually light. It's light. If you had a dark room and you had one candle, one candle could light the entire room. And so as we end our Christmas Eve service, we end it as we do each year with a singing of a song and a passing around of the light. I invite you as we walk down the aisle and we hold the candle and you turn your candle towards it and light your candle off of it to sing with me Silent Night, but also to remember that as we share the light, that that's what we're invited to do every day of our life as we go into this world, to share our light, to tell the story to others by how we live. And as our worship team comes forward, I'm asking Bill Mitchell to also come forward and help me. I invite everybody to please stand as we sing together. Silent night.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your love. We thank you for the love that came down at Christmas and for the fact that you work in our lives and send us into our world to spread that love to others. Go before us this evening in all that we do and help us have not only a blessed Christmas, but a wonderful and amazing new year. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And thank you for being with us, and Merry Christmas. <laughs>